Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Tom Block with you, and we're glad you followed us over to Real Talk 93.3 and continue to listen to the podcast. Just want to mention a shout out to Seminole Boosters. They continue to support the program. Two things here. First of all, there are still tickets left for FSU Notre Dame. So if you don't have yours yet, go to Seminoles.com slash tickets, pick up some tickets. We want to make sure that we got a packed house for that opener on Labor Day weekend against Notre Dame. And secondly, if you're not a member of Seminole Boosters, I encourage you to help make a strong brand even stronger. Supporters can help FSU's teams win by providing the tools needed to be successful. And you can join for as little as $70 per year. Just go to SeminoleBoosters.com to learn more. That said, Enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith with you on our new home. Thanks so much for tuning in. KJ, how goes it? Well, it has been a very eventful weekend for positive and sorrowful reasons. But yet school starts next week for the university level. And uh, we've got a number of uh, teams that are starting action uh, very shortly, including women's soccer. So we're kind of all over the gambit. We will talk some women's soccer. The uh, Knowles, so close to a title a year ago, will be joined by one of their star players and an Olympic gold medalist coming up later in the show. Also, Bob Ferrante, next segment with the latest from the FSU football practice fields. I feel like we've spent a lot of time talking about Coach Bowden in the last few weeks, Keith, and rightly so. Uh, we won't do so for a long period of time today, but uh, any thoughts you want to share after catching up with many of your former teammates and going to the services for Coach Bowden over the weekend? Well, there are two overriding themes were, number one, it was not a weekend of sorrow. Uh, It was a very upbeat, positive weekend. I think that was reflected in the service at the Tucker Center, and it certainly was reflected in all the conversations I had with fellow teammates. And secondly, uh, just the recognition that the wins on the field are very important but the relationships that were fostered and the example of the ultimate relationship, i.e. a coach with a player, as exemplified, exemplified by Coach Bowden, uh, I think that is something we all will walk away from this weekend reinforced and knowing. We all knew it, but it's just reinforced and knowing that it continues on and on and on. Yeah, it was uh, – you, you put that very well. We spent a lot of time recently talking about it, but uh, it was – not the reason you want to call it a special weekend, but a lot of uh, great stories over the last couple of weeks uh, about a great, great man who passed away at age 91. All right, Keith, I want to update our listeners real quick. Uh, Many have been with us for a long time. Some uh, obviously are new here on, uh, well, we're the new guys, I guess, to Real Talk. uh, So the listeners here may not be new, but uh, subscribe to our podcast if you haven't done so already those of you who've been with us via the podcast and our former station i can tell you that we got all the bugs worked out and so refresh your uh, your apple podcast feed you'll find us there and we're also keith uh I, i'm going to quiz you on these and see if you can recite them back but we're also on pocket cast castro google podcast Acast, stitcher amazon and spotify uh we're on and all a partridge of those in a things we're on all those things our good friend and colleague Cameron is doing for us. So if I have any questions, I go to Cameron about it and not, not the guy that follows us 
in the one to three hour on Real Talk 93.3. The real Cameron. Yeah, not Jeff Cameron, another Cameron. We appreciate uh, appreciate his help. Keith, uh, it was uh, revealed or reported over the weekend that the ACC and Pac-12 and Big Ten are talking about a strategic alliance to counter the mighty SEC. Uh, what think you of uh, such a partnership? That is a code name for what we've talked about for several years now, where you mimic what basketball has done with the ACC Big Ten Challenge, et cetera, et cetera. This is a scheduling move. This is not a necessarily a sharing of revenue per se, but this is uh, how to, to have a game or two, one or two games additional in your schedule, you know, within the 12 that are allowed and um, get the opportunity to see some matchups you wouldn't normally see that get arranged by other than the individual schools and the individual athletic directors. That's what my take is on it. I think there's also a, tent, uh, a chance to, to vote together as well on, on issues that come up, maybe related to the playoff, maybe related to new NCAA legislation. And candidly, even though I've railed against it, uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12, if, if it goes along a voting block, they now have somebody else to vote in favor of keeping the Rose Bowl right where it is and doing all that sort of thing. So, uh, But you're right. The Athletic had a really good story. And basically what it said, Keith, and we know this, this is why the SEC has gotten as much money as it had. Has it, It's got more games that people want to watch, a lot more than the Pac-12 and the ACC. So if you're the ACC, it doesn't do a whole lot to add a conference game. And now North Carolina is playing Boston College because nobody wants to see that. But if you add North Carolina against UCLA, that might be a draw and add some revenue both for the Pac-12 and for the ACC. So I think you're right. That's the thought process here. Exactly. And where it goes, we don't know. Uh, and it may also be a precursor to the other macro thing that we've talked about, which is four major conferences instead of five. And so you may, over the, the next short time, figure out that you're really aligned well with this school, that school, or the other school, and uh, we can get to those four super conferences. And again, don't not to belabor the point, we'll take some time, hopefully, uh, and spend a little more time in research, but, you know, this NCAA committee that's looking at structural changes, don't, don't discount that. There's going to be some very significant change as a result of those folks getting together because the NCAA has to change or it's going to be a non, a non, non-starter. Keith, uh, we'll get to Bob Frantier, Osceola insider, talk a lot of FSU football next segment. But uh, if you notice the AP poll was released on Monday, the preseason poll and Florida state plays five teams ranked in the top 14. So they certainly will have opportunities this year. You know, there's there's a train of thought that says, you know, during the dynasty years, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to have the dynasty if you hadn't played the significant games you play. So chicken and the egg, do you schedule the games first or do they just happen or do you get good and then try to schedule them? I don't care. It's an opportunity, despite what uh, the naysayers would say, it's an opportunity to play good competition, measure where you're at. That's what built Florida State. That's what's going to build it back, in my opinion including a big opportunity right out of the gate against Notre Dame. That's Sunday night of Labor Day weekend. There are tickets still available, so I'll remind our listeners, just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets uh, for information there. Uh, really want to pack the place for that game against Notre Dame. And, of course, you can get information about uh, 
the rest of the home schedule as well for Florida State, but certainly an imposing schedule. Good opportunity for Mike Norvell and company. Okay, an Olympic gold medalist will join us on the show. Bob Ferrante from the Osceola is up next. We are just getting started. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles will continue in a moment. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank. Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Hi, I'm Bob Hobbs. We're always talking about getting your best deals, your best trade, and your best financing. But with these challenging times, we wanted you to know, if you can't make it in, we'll even bring the car to you. And we'll appraise your vehicle at your home or business. And for all our service customers that can't make it in, we'll pick up your vehicle, get it serviced, and bring it back to you. We just want to make it easy to do business. We appreciate our customers and want to say thank you for your business. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your vehicle the Hobson way. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Welcome back. This is Front Row Pro Knowles, thanks for tuning in. Our new home of Real Talk 93.3. We're joined by our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante. He has dialed up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, and sharing your future together. Bob, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good. Bob's very busy these days, Keith. He's joining us from his car. He's got his seatbelt on. He's not driving, however, as he chats with us, so we appreciate his time. So the first scrimmage is in the books, Bob. Uh, what did we learn? I think there's there's reasons for optimism with this team for sure. I also think there's there's a lot of areas where there's some significant improvements going to have to be made, and that's that's what I think we have to kind of take a realistic viewpoint with this team. Um, I'm I'm kind of falling in love with the defensive backs, and I think that's historically been a problem that we've maybe had. We've we've seen um, been maybe had too much enthusiasm for that group, but I, I just see a lot of depth and competition there. Um, and then also you know, on the offense, a lot to like with the running backs. You know, the coaches have really been praising Jay Sean Corbin, and I think you can see why. Um, you know, Corbin looks like he's fully back almost two years out from that torn hamstring. And, you know, there's a lot of things he isn't. He's not Dalvin Cook and he's not Cam Akers. But I think he can be a number one tailback. And when you put some complementary pieces around him, Lawrence Toafili looks like a receiver often when you see him downfield the way he takes hits and secures the ball. So there's a lot to like. There's also still a lot of, a lot of things that they've got to work on, um, you know, with coming weeks before, uh, before the opener. I guess we've come to the conclusion, uh, even though nothing is said about it, that we won't know who the quarterback is until, oh, I don't know, 55 minutes before kickoff, maybe. I, I still think Coach Norvell is going to put two guys out there. I mean, whether it's, you know, McKenzie and, and Jordan or something like that, something crazy. Honestly, I don't know how you view it right now. I mean, if you're looking at it through the, the lens of what guys are doing on the field in these practices, and, and the scrimmage has been closed, so I'll put the asterisk there. 
I think Jordan Travis has looked better than Mackenzie Milton. Um, Jordan's arm strength is definitely there. It, it would appear mechanically he's better. Strength and conditioning has certainly helped him. He throws a really nice downfield pass. It's definitely improved from last year. This isn't to knock you know, Mackenzie at all. It's just saying through the early part of camp, I, I think Jordan has looked quite good. How do these scrimmages look? How do the coaches feel about it? Do they do they want to have wrinkles for Jordan, but have McKenzie as a starter? Um, I, I think there's a lot of things to consider as far as all that. But to go back to your original point, no, I, I don't expect Mike Norvell to make an announcement. I don't think it's going to come until very deep into game week. Uh, maybe we don't even know until we get to the stadium on, on that Sunday night for Notre Dame. Marcus Woodson met the media on Tuesday after practice, Bob, and you commented on the DBs and the fact that we've gone several years now when we've looked at the athleticism there and thought, man, they're really strong there, and then it hasn't translated onto the field. It sort of goes back to what Mickey Andrews said at Bobby's service the other day, which was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think what he said is it's not the 11 best football players, it's the 11 guys who play the best football together or something like that, and that would hold true, I think, for the guys in the secondary too. Are are you optimistic about – because he was pretty effusive in his praise about many – parts and pieces back there when he spoke to the media. Yeah, I think he's seen progress, you know, from his arrival. So he's, he's seen them since, you know, what December, January, January, 2020. And even through COVID, I think he's seen who is, who has grown, who has improved. They've, they've started to look at which guy is a, a corner versus a safety, you know, as far as moving a keen dent to safety, they, they feel like that's a better fit. Um, and he's a guy who's, who's kind of played a little bit of both uh, from high school and college, for example. I think you've got a lot of veterans. You've got all these transfers from, you know, Jamie Robinson, who can be a safety or nickel, to uh, Bam Moore from UCF. Jarquez McClellan has been fitting in well at safety. Some young kids like Jarvis Brownlee, they, they're very high on Brownlee, and I think he could be all-conference caliber. And, and Travis Jay is as athletic as anybody that, that you see out there on the football field. Um, you know, a guy who could almost play offense. He, he's he's that good of of a playmaker, but they're going to use him probably more at corner than safety, but uh, but also fit in that punt return. There's there's just too many guys to name, but I think that's what's great about it is the level of competition is going to elevate everybody in that room to the point where you're you're pushing each other and and you're going to make the team better. You know, throughout practice and then leading up to to game day too. Bob, not a lot of conversation that I'm hearing, at least, about what's going on on either side of the line, either the offensive lineman or the defensive lineman. There are those that would say that that's a good sign, that they're making progress, that uh, they're not talking about uh, things going poorly. There are others that would say if they were doing really well, there'd be a lot of people talking about them. Where do you, what camp do you fall in? You know, I think we've had this discussion in past years and, and we were, we kind of fell into the trap of, you know, the defensive line was really dominant a year ago. And, and we wondered, you know, how good was, was Marvin Wilson and Corey Durden and all those guys. So now it's, you know, where do we stand on it? How do we gauge the level of competition they're going up against every day? I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that we're really not going to know until the Notre Dame game when it comes to the defensive front, they're, they look good. I think they're battling those one-on-ones with, uh, say, Jermaine Johnson against Robert Scott have been really entertaining, for example. So I, I think there's a lot of growth to be had, but 
the answers to me just don't formulate until you get them in scrimmages, which unfortunately are closed to the media and the, and the fans. And you don't really get a great picture un, until you really see them in a game. It, it's kind of hard, I think, to get a good eval of offensive and defensive linemen at this point. That's kind of unfortunate because it's it, those are kind of the two position groups that we're extremely curious about. But I think it's also just the reality of where we are in camp. It feels like they like the depth they have on the defensive side of the ball better maybe than certainly the spring and maybe last year. I mean, Kier Thomas has come in and has reportedly played well. Dennis Briggs has gotten some shout outs. Now, again, to your point, we don't know till we'll know, we know, but it, it seems like I'm hearing more names than just Jermaine, which we kind of went into this camp thinking that's all we were going to hear. I agree. And I, I think they're happy with, uh, you know, with Kier Thomas, he didn't get to practice in the spring, for example. And, when you've got a 60-year guy like that, you're kind of curious, is he an option? What's he going to do? Can he, can he slide inside? Can he play the outside too? And, and it looks like he can. It looks like he's got some versatility for them. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm kind of liking what they have up, up on the defensive front. It's not, again, let's not convince ourselves that there's a Timmy Jernigan there, but they've got some guys who can be productive. You know, Fabian Lovett, Dennis Briggs, um, Coaching staff was really happy with Jarrett Jackson. That was a name that we just hadn't, you know, heard too much about um, since he transferred from Louisville right about the time that Jordan Travis came to. And, and they feel like Jarrett Jackson can be in the rotation if you're kind of looking at finding, you know, roughly four defensive tackles between between those two positions. So I, I think if you're looking for themes out of camp, it's finding depth through competition and, and it's building. So those are positives. It's just how do those guys start performing against other teams down the road? You mentioned that uh, there hasn't been uh, observations by media and or fans, but uh, in the scrimmage Saturday, uh, FSU did release some some highlight tapes. There appeared to be a few catches on the outside, at least. Yeah, I, I'm trying to also measure those expectations of the receivers, too, because we've seen, you know, candidly too many drops. Um and it's not just one guy, it's a lot of guys. But we've also seen some really improved receiver play. You know, a couple of examples, like I think Kentron Poitier and, and Malik McLean have had really good uh, camps. Um, Keyshawn Helton has become kind of the leader in that group. And he's, he's kind of taking these younger guys under his wing. He seems like a leader, not just in at receiver, but on offense. And we're, we're seeing, I think this is a group, still kind of in flux it's it's younger guys who just haven't had enough time on the practice field as well as some older guys who um you know let's be honest Ontario Wilson is a nice piece he's not a number one receiver he's he's kind of a complimentary piece I think if he can be that consistently that's a good thing um, Andrew Parchment does he look like a number one receiver yet I think that answer is no but where will he be in a couple of weeks once his conditioning is is all the way there, and, and he's kind of used to the heat and the reps and the tempo of what they're trying to do. Um, you know, he's not not quite there yet, but can he get there? That's a big storyline, I think, to watch. There, there, there seems to be some some improved moments, I think, from the receivers. But you know, my caution still is we're seeing too many drops um, and some pre-snap penalties, not just with the receivers, but at other position groups too. And I think those are those are kind of big question marks moving forward here. Bob, let's switch sports in our final couple of minutes here. You were out at the soccer pitch on Tuesday. Mark Krikorian's team 
so close to a national title last year. And we're going to talk soccer with one of the stars in our next segment. But what's the general mood thought going in? It seems like they have an awful lot of uh, familiar faces back this year. Yeah, they've got just about everybody back from the spring, uh, with the exception of, um, of uh, McFarlane, one of the key players, I think, on that on that roster, Chris McFarlane. Of course, Malia Berkeley uh, went pro, I think, in November, December and wasn't part of the spring season. But they've got, you know, it, it's kind of a typical Mark Corian team. A lot of veterans at every level, a lot of good experience. You know, one of the things he talked about was just trying to give the girls about about three weeks off over the summer because there wasn't a huge gap between, you know, playing in a NCAA tournament in May to getting ramped up for, for August camp. And, you know, Krikorian doesn't exactly schedule soft. I mean, starting off with a top 10 opponent in Texas A&M, and I, I kind of asked him, you know, do you, why, do you, why do you do that? Why do you have that confidence just, just to jump right in? And his, his attitude is basically, why not? You know, what, what good do some of those, you know, let's call them cupcake opponents do for you? And I, I think that's, that's really admirable that you're going to kind of dive right in right away and, and jump in and play, you know, some of the top teams in the country. That opener is on Thursday against Texas A&M. Again, we'll talk soccer next segment with an Olympic gold medalist who's also a national championship player, champion player with Florida State. Uh, we'll introduce you to her momentarily, and uh, we'll say adios to our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, for now. Bob, thanks for joining us as always, sir. Take care. I'll Bob. remind our listeners you can subscribe to the Osceola. Log on to theosceola.com, just six ninety five a month for that subscription. Lots of good information about all things Florida State. Keith and I will take a break. We'll come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles continues after this. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owner's agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. Some battles are worth fighting. They build character and teach important lessons. Other times, the more we resist, the longer we stay stuck. When a simple change would change everything. Is your bank holding you back? Try my bank, Prime Meridian Bank. Changing is easy. We'll show you how. Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and on the web at trymybank.com. Member FDIC. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Really pleased to reopen that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, and turn your future together and say hello to a senior star in the Florida State soccer team, Gabby Carl. But more than that, especially in light of this summer, an Olympic gold medalist. So has that sunk in yet, Gabby? Um, I've gotten this question a lot uh, these past few days. And um, no, actually, I always say no, not really. Eventually, I think it will. But right now, it's still surreal. Where do you keep this gold medal? 
<laughs> um, I keep it in its case in my room. Uh, but whenever I travel, the case is a little big, so I put it in a in a sock. Keeps it uh safe. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gabby, we were chatting before we came on the air, and uh, you're from Canada, obviously. When was the last time you were back home? Yeah, um, it had been a year. I hadn't seen my family, my friends, uh, my home in, in a year. Yeah. And that's because you were playing for Florida State, and then COVID happened, and the borders were closed due to COVID. And and then we should point out for listeners just tuning in that, that Gabby was a member of the Canadian uh, Olympic women's soccer team, which won gold in, in Tokyo. Uh, what was, what was that moment like that experience like for you, uh, especially as the clock ticked down and, and you knew you were going to be a gold medalist? Yeah. I mean, it was extremely stressful at some point because we were in PKs and it just was back and forth. We didn't know between us and Sweden who was going to score the winning PK. Uh, so till the very end, I didn't know whether we were going to be gold medalist or silver medalist, but then when, when we actually won, it was just like euphoria. Like it was just, like everyone was so happy and there was no thinking. There was just like just pure joy. And Gabby, you've been in Tallahassee and a member of the Florida state team for four, four and a half years going on five. Um, you're close with your teammates. We know coach K and his group are, are uh, the build a, a lot of relationships off the field. How about your Canadian teammates? Had you played with many of them before? Did you have longer type relationships with them? How did that dynamic work? Yeah, um, we have a great, great, great team in terms of relationships and culture. I think everyone gets along really well. And I think you can see that on the field as well. Really helps us. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really lucky that my country, we were just very close together. What about and this is part of how Mark recruits, I, I think, because he's got so many international players and many of you play for the, the national team of your native countries. Uh, but that's just part of and, and he always, uh, my understanding anyway, he allows you to go take the time away from the Florida State team to play in caps or friendlies or whatever. Uh, maybe that's standard across women's college soccer. I don't know, but it seems like it's a pretty good selling point. And, and obviously it's worked well for Coach Gregorian and FSU. Yeah, for sure. I think when he recruits us, he tells us like for uh, for me, when he recruited me, there was never like you have to choose between Canada and us. It's never that it's we're going to help you get even better so you can be an even better player for Canada and for, for Florida State. Now, Gabby, the... will, you, will you forgive us? Because we, we kind of messed up on the introduction. We should say two time medalist because <sighs> people probably aren't aware that you also have another. Uh, Olympic yeah. medal that came yeah. a little earlier in your career. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, um, in 2016, uh, before I came to Florida State, I was also in Rio where we won bronze, which was also a very great experience at 17 year old. Let me ask you this now as we transition it to FSU a little bit. You were a member of the 2018 national championship team at FSU. And I know there, in some respects, it's apples and oranges, I guess. You're talking about the, the women's collegiate stage in the U.S. versus the, the world stage. But were there similarities in, in terms of the euphoria that goes with winning those titles? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think what like whatever the stage you're in, once you win the biggest honor, it just it's similar for sure. Um, I think, yeah, no, actually, it's it's really similar. And last yeah, year, your major is uh, exercise physiology. Did I read that correctly? Yes. 
And uh, Tommy, you may not know this because I looked it up, but uh, she's a first team academic All-American. So Gabby, I don't know whether you care, but you and I have that in common because about 108 years ago, when I was playing ball at Florida State, I also was an academic All-American. That always is something I like to point out. Tell us, after you get through with your soccer career, what do you want to do with that degree? What, how, how do you want to make that work for the rest of your life? Yeah, um, since I was a teenager, I wanted to be a doctor as well. So eventually I'd like to go to med school, uh, whether that's like within my playing career or after my playing career, I still have to figure that out. Sounds like a solid plan. Well, as, as you look at this FSU team this year, I know you return a lot of familiar faces. I guess as a starting point, you were so close to winning another national title last year. How much do you think that will fuel this year's team? And, and for those who don't recall, and I'm sorry to bring it up, but really you were six or seven minutes away from closing out that game and it just didn't go FSU's way. Uh, yeah, for sure. We were so close that I think it's definitely still in the back of our minds that we still have something to accomplish here. And I definitely think we have the talent to do so this year. We just have to put in the work. And I think uh, it could go very well for us. FSU I certainly don't hear any complacency, Tommy. It doesn't sound like there's any complacency there. So she's not going to walk around with that gold medal and tell everybody <laughs> that uh, the FSU season is meaningless, I don't think. <laughs> I wouldn't expect complacency from a Coach Kerkorian uh, coach team. FSU was picked to win the ACC again this year. Uh, defense is always very, very strong for FSU. Uh, give, give us kind of a thumbnail sketch. Uh, you know, what's the, well, I say scouting report. You don't want to divulge too much there, but what, what can we expect on the field from this year's team, Gabby? Um, I think all around the field, we have great players, uh, a lot of depth um, and discipline. And also discipline comes from the fact that we have a lot of returning players from uh, last year. So a lot of experience on the field, but also some great players coming in that will be able to make a difference. Texas A&M on Thursday, Alabama on Sunday. So you get the SEC right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a thumbnail on, uh, on either of those teams or just, you know, the, uh, and especially coming off of COVID, the thrill of actually being able to play at home and have fans in attendance this weekend? Yeah, for sure. We, I think all of us can't wait. This is going to be such a great moment. Uh, with SEC teams, we always expect them to come out with a like fighting physical. So I think we'll just have to be ready for that. Well, it's been quite the summer for you, Gabby. We appreciate it. Congratulations again. And uh, hopefully there's another trophy in your future uh, when we get to the end of the women's season and the college cup again in December. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Gabby Carl from the Florida State women's soccer team. We'll come back and wrap things up on Front Row Knowles right after this. Front Row Knowles with more just ahead. Hi, I'm Bob Hobbs. We're always talking about getting your best deals, your best trade, and your best financing. With these challenging times, we wanted you to know, if you can't make it in, we'll even bring the car to you, and we'll appraise your vehicle at your home or business. And for all our service customers that can't make it in, we'll pick up your vehicle, get it serviced, and bring it back to you. We just want to make it easy to do business. We appreciate our customers and want to say thank you for your business. So whether it's sales or service, come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy and service your vehicle the Hobson way. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Your local independent auto owners agent is the Earl Bacon Agency. Call us at 878-2121 or visit us on the web at earlbacon.com. 
Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. And by the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back to Front Row Knowles as we wrap things up. Still plenty of time to go. Tom and Keith with you. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in on our new home here on Real Talk 93.3. And as I mentioned uh, earlier in the show, refresh your podcast feed, especially if you're on the Apple uh, side of the ledger. We should be all set, good to go there. Listen to the last couple of weeks' show. We talked a lot of conference realignment today. It was more about what's going on on the field uh, for FSU. Keith, just reflecting back to that interview with Gabby Carlo from the FSU soccer team, I'm not really sure where I would keep my gold medal, but I'm thinking the safe deposit box might be a starting point. I, I, I would lean that way. My only problem is when I had people over to the house, I'd want to be showing it to them. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what I do. I know one thing. Gabby hasn't had the opportunity to even get back home. Uh, so therefore, she's uh, toting it around in that sock or whatever she was telling us about. We appreciate her joining us. She's a senior defender and midfielder, has started every game of her Florida State career. So she's pretty much a stalwart on a, a team that is filled with stars, picked to win the ACC this year, and they kick off their season on Thursday night. Keith, before we go back to FSU, any reaction to the fact that Tim Tebow got released earlier this week? I mean, I don't know if that was a surprise so much as it was a surprise when he came back to play football at a new position. You know, I, there, there are three emotions that, that surface for me any time that I hear about Tim Tebow. Number one, you know, we're not supposed to like him because he's a gator. Number two, we do like him because he's a great human being. And thirdly, why in the heck did he try tight in 13 years ago instead of waiting until he was 34? Because he probably would have had a very nice NFL career if he had done it then. Uh, so th- there's my threefold reaction. Yeah, I think that's that's probably accurate. Well, he wanted to play quarterback so much that instead of changing positions, he went and tried another sport. So maybe basketball's next for him now, right? Um, speaking of basketball, Keith, I don't know if you saw the summer league photo that's making the rounds, but it's of all the FSU guys that were playing in the summer league, and it's uh, maybe 12, 15 of them. I mean, it was pretty much everybody that's 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 been in the league at all in the last few years, save for, I think, Malik Beasley and Dwayne Bacon. Other than that, it was Trent Forrest and Fiondu and Patrick Williams and Terrence Mann. And I mean, just every, it, it was a reflection of all the work that Leonard and Stan and, and company have done over the last few years. And Trent Forrest, by the way, uh, you know, he still needs to work on his outside shot, but he had a pretty decent summer league. He was shooting 42% from three, if I remember correctly. That's, that's a marketed improvement for him. You know, one of the things that we used to talk about on the football side, uh, you know, during the, 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 the 90s and the aughts is you'd sit down and say, well, try to name all of the guys that are on NFL rosters. Now, obviously, it's a much bigger body of folk, but, you know, there'd be 55, 60, 65 guys on NFL rosters beginning in a given year. Nobody could name them, but you could name the two or three FSU basketball players that were on NBA rosters. Well, you can't do that anymore. And so I uh, echo your comments, uh, hats off to Stan and, and uh, Coach Hamilton and CY and Coach Smith for what they've been able to develop. And obviously, for those of us that are paying special attention to the football program under Mike Norvell, 
the development of players, not just the signing of five-star recruits, but the development of players is something that we're all paying attention to. Well, speaking of development of players, let's get back to the football field, Keith. We asked, I asked Bob about uh, the, the progress the defensive secondary is making. What, what are your thoughts about uh, – because it, it's been a very – there's a lot of highly recruited guys there. Even in spite of FSU not recruiting at the level they want to, there's still a pretty good caliber of athlete back there, but the, the production has not equaled that, that talent over the last several years. The production hasn't. Now, part of that is we've all had to get more accustomed to the quick passing game, to three, four, five wideouts as opposed to, you know, just two and a tight end. Uh, the game is much different than it was even five or ten years ago, so expectations need to be changed. Secondly, you know, there's not been a push up front. They're, they've not had the ability to get pressure on quarterbacks. And, again, you got to pick your poison. If they're getting the ball out on the equivalent of what we used to call three-step drops, i.e., in the shotgun, one potato, two potato out. It doesn't make sense to bring blitzes. It doesn't make sense to, to you know, focus strictly on sacks. Uh, it's just not going to happen from a physical standpoint. But I am encouraged by what I'm hearing and what I've seen. And as we've talked also, I think you're going to see much more of the five and even six uh, defensive back schemes, just given the way offenses are today. So having depth there, having the ability for, for kids to play both the nickel or and the safety or what have you um, is going to be very, very important. But again, you're never going to talk great about that defensive backfield until you get some push up front in some means, recognizing it's still ultimately and very difficult to do it with a quick passing scheme. No question they go hand in hand. I referenced Marcus Woodson earlier in the show, the defensive backs coach for Florida State. He met the media earlier this week. I found his interview pretty enlightening. He was pretty candid about a lot of players. And Bob brought out the name Travis Jay, and he was a local star from over in Madison County. And, you know, this might be the year that he comes into his own. He's somebody that was highly touted. It does have a high level of athleticism. He's versatile can play the corner of the safety spot. And, and what Woodson talked about is they, he, he wants them to just get mentally tougher, which I think that's probably uh, in regard to you, you got to have a short memory and forget the last play and line up and go again the next one. That, that's an assumption on my part. But there's only so many guys like that that, are, that could be true difference makers, and he's one of them, especially if, if you use him at punt returns too. Remember we saw him at kick return early last year before he got hurt. But he's somebody that, that could change the scoreboard, to use the, the comments of a previous coach here. The problem with youngsters in the defensive backfield is that they have a tendency to play on their talent as opposed to play technique and discipline football. And that only happens with rep after rep after rep at the higher level. Because in high school, their athleticism will let them take over uh, if they make a false step or they turn the wrong way or they're a half a second behind. You don't get that luxury at the college level. So that mental discipline, that mental toughness is something that all the young, young kids have to learn given the speed of the game now. And I agree with you. I think he's made great progress in that regard. By the way, I want to get a hold of that S2 test that uh, Coach was talking about. That's the first time I've heard of that one. Uh, I know about the Greenberg test. I know about other aptitude tests that are used in business. But that's the first I've heard of that. If I call, if I'm calling it the right thing, that S2 test. It's a, it's a cognition test, Keith, and it was developed by a couple of uh, professors at Vanderbilt. 
and it's it's really pretty new over the last four or five years. But more and more, I, th- I think I, I did some research on this. I think 10 or 12 NFL teams were using it about a year ago. So who knows what that number is by now? But it basically uh, grades you in several categories, and it has to do with how quickly you process information. And, and the two guys I talked about, their research was actually in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and that sort of thing, but they were former athletes, so they've translated it here, and they've, they've got the application with professional and collegiate sports. But, uh, you know, and one guy, and this is where Marcus Woodson referenced that test specifically to Akeem Dent. Right. They moved him from corner back to safety based on how he scored on that. But it just goes to show the amount of uh, the level of detail, attention to detail that's paid now and it, uh, or that, that it plays in these sports now. Do they have a test for radio and television broadcasters? I'm, I'm not being set up for anything, am I? Have you got something coming my way I don't know about? I don't. It's uh, In our case, it's called the English language and and we get about a C on that each week, I think on this show, Keith, you know, maybe but... C minus we're barely hanging on. <laughs> uh, but I, I, it would not surprise me to me. This, this looks like the uh, you know, a few years ago, they put all the, the, the tracking devices on the players so they could measure their work rate and their heart rate and how many extra steps they took, you know, and their pursuit angles and all that stuff. Seems to me that this cognition test, the S2 test is now that's, that's what's going to be, the norm for everybody as we move forward. Well, I like the move of Dent. I I was impressed with him when he first got to Florida State playing at the safety position because he was athletic and because there was a need, he was moved up, i.e. to corner and nickel. Um, I I believe that might be a very good move. We'll wait and see. But uh, anything you can do to get a better handle on where kids fit, I'm all in favor of, no question. Well, and the comments were that uh, he really sees the field well, covers a lot of ground. His physicality is good, and they're just working with him to make sure, you know, he's got to get everybody lined up. You know that, Keith, from your days back there, that you guys got to make sure everybody's running the same defense. Yep. Uh, but it sounds, well, I, it sounds encouraging there. We started talking about Coach Bowden's services. I'll finish my part here. Uh, you know, Bobby Butler, I thought, did a wonderful job uh, as an officiant. Uh, I think all of the guys that uh, spoke, uh, I mean, who in the world would think you'd see Mickey Andrews choke up? Um, uh, I, I thought the service was wonderful. Can I name drop, Tommy? Do I get to name drop? Well, that's now, all I can do now. Now that you've teased it, fire away. Well, I had an opportunity to talk to Dabo Sweeney. I hadn't talked to him in forever. I've had probably five opportunities in the last 10 years. Uh, our old-time folks will remember Kevin Steele. He was there. Dave Van Hallinger, Coach Van Hallinger was in town. Uh, Chris Winky was there. Obviously, they saw Charlie. Um, I, I asked Chris, I said, are you still a free agent? He says, well, yeah, I've talked to some coaches. I said, he said, it's kind of late in the game. You know, he got released by Tennessee when they made their move, as did Kevin. He said, I've talked to some coaches. I may end up hooking up with an analyst or something, bide my time. He said, but I'm still under contract. And KJ, I checked that bank account the first of the month, and as long as that deposit's there, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jimbo Fisher was in town too. I, I mean, did not get to speak to Jimbo, but yes, you are correct. He was. Yeah, and and I thought you know Deion Sanders spoke on Sunday at uh, the, the ceremony at Samford, but Derek Brooks pinch hit for him on Saturday at the service in Tallahassee, and I thought. Well, it's a nice luxury when when one pro football Hall of Famer can replace another pro football Hall of Famer on short notice. And and not surprisingly, he gave a Hall, Hall of Fame performance. Derek's 
I didn't see coming. That was a story. I thought I had heard most of the stories before, but I'd not heard that one. And that one was absolutely hilarious. I was sitting beside uh, my old teammate, Scott Warren, and uh, Scotty was just falling out of his chair. Uh, you know, just the way that uh, DB delivered it and, and the reaction from the crowd, it was wonderful. It, it was indeed. All right, folks, well, we're, we're glad you found us here. 12 to 1 each and every Wednesday on uh, Real Talk 93.3. Mentioned earlier in the show, we're on all the podcast platforms now. We worked out the kinks uh, in, in moving over from the last place with Apple Podcasts, so refresh your feeds there. And uh, Keith, have a good week. We'll know a little bit more, I think, next time we get together. We won't have full answers, but we'll be creeping closer to kickoff. Another scrimmage scheduled, I think, for Saturday. Unfortunately, it was likely to be closed to everybody. Yes, uh, the uh, kickoff is getting closer and closer. The only thing we know for sure, Tommy, is it will be Notre Dame. And we know we'll do this show again next week. Till then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks so much for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.